Good morning. For for those of you who don't know, Jyotisha and I have been away for almost four months, and it is very, very nice to be back, and to be back especially in this beautiful temple with all of our friends and gurubais, and uh, it's really quite, we're very grateful to echo the affirmation. And I also want to extend a a welcome and an invitation to those of you who are here today who attended the pilgrimage to Ananda Village. It was very lovely to get to meet you, and I hope that this is the beginning of a lifelong relationship with Ananda, and more importantly, with God. So our topic this week, from Rays of the One Light by Swamiji, is the law of karma, bondage or soul release. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. The epistle of St. Paul to the Galatians contains this oft-quoted statement. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. In Autobiography of a Yogi, Yogananda tells a story from the life of the Benari saint, Trilanga Swami. I have to add a little aside. During this trip, we were in Benares in Varanasi, and we went to the ashram of Trilanga Swami and meditated there. Very, very powerful. So this is the story. A skeptic once determined to expose Trilanga as a charlatan. A large bucket of calcium lime mixture used in whitewashing walls was placed before the Swami. Master, the materialist said in mocking reverence, I have brought you some clabbered milk. Please drink it. Trilanga unhesitatingly drained to the last drop the container of burning lime. In a few minutes, the evildoer fell to the ground in agony. Help, Swami, help, he cried. I am on fire. Forgive my wicked test. The great yogi broke his habitual silence. Scoffer, he said, you did not realize when you offered me poison that my life is one with your own, except for my knowledge that God is present in my stomach as in every atom of creation, the lime would have killed me. Now that you know the divine meaning of boomerang, never again play tricks on anyone. The well-purged sinner healed by Trilonga's words, slunk feebly away. Yogananda goes on to say, the reversal of pain was not due to any volition of the master, but came about through unerring application of the law of justice, which upholds creation's farthest swinging orb. Men of God realization like Trilonga allowed the divine law to operate instantaneously. They have banished forever 
all thwarting cross-currents of ego. Not by reason alone, but by self-realization are the ins and outs of destiny fully understood. Their web, though tied forever to the post of ego motivation, is too intricate to be perceived in a single thread. Only great masters can see it with clarity. It is visible to them in all its workings, not from within the tangle, but from above in superconsciousness. As Sri Krishna said in the fourth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, he who beholds inaction in action and action in inaction is wise among men. He is one with spirit. He has attained the true goal of action, perfect freedom. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Good morning, friends. How nice to be here sharing, talking about these spiritual truths and talking about these great masters. Since Trilanga Swami was mentioned, I'll, and we were in Benares, um, I'll just tell a story of him that most people haven't heard. For those who don't know, he was a very, very famous saint, reputed to have lived for over 300 years. And he was a contemporary of uh, Lahiri Mahashaya. They both lived in Benares or Varanasi together. Well, Trilanga Swami was often seen doing miracles. Um, he, would, he generally didn't wear any clothes. He would go down to the Ganges, which Benares is right on the Ganges, and he was often seen just floating on the river. Of course, the river is moving and he isn't. He's just there sitting on the water, floating. And sometimes he would go under the waves and he would be there for a few hours and then he'd come back up. Well, many, many hundreds of thousands of people in, in Varanasi saw him doing these miracles. So he was very, very well known. So one day he was out on the Ganges floating in his usual manner and a Maharaja or a Raja came in a boat and was very, very uh, eager to meet Trilanga Swami. So he had the, the oarman steer him over and he beckoned to Trilanga Swami, please, please come and join me. And so Trilanga Swami decided that, okay, I'll do that. So he came over and got into the boat. And this Raja, in order to honor Trilanga Swami, he had a very valuable jeweled sword that had been given to him by the British for some act of bravery. And so it was both valuable materially and sentimentally for him. And so he offered that to Trilanga Swami. And Trilanga Swami said, thank you very much. So is this mine now? And the Raja said, yes, it is. So he threw it in the Ganges. <laughs> 
And the Raja got very upset and angry and said to his oarman, take this scoundrel to the shore and dump him there and I never want to see him again. And so as they got toward the shore, Trilanga Swami reached into the waters and he pulled up two identical swords. And he said, held them out and he said, which one is yours? And the Raja looked and he said, well, I can't tell, they're, they're both the same. And Trilanga Swami said, so you got all upset with me because I threw away a possession that you don't even know what it is. <laughs> you, don't know, you don't know what you have. And yet you're so attached that you got angry when you gave it away and then I threw it in the Ganges. He said, just take one. And so the Raja took one and Trilanga Swami took the other and threw it in the Ganges <laughs> and got up and, and left. So these great saints, they, now, now here in both of these stories, the, the karma of the wrong activity, because it was done in such close uh, contact with a great saint, the karma came back immediately, came back quickly. And so these miscreants could see their lessons. But for us, because of the cross currents, thwarting cross currents of ego, as, as uh, it said in the reading, um, it, it's much harder. But we'll get to that. Let me start with this beautiful poem or prayer demand from Master. He uses such wonderful, uh, colorful language. He, he didn't hold back. This is spiritualize all our thoughts and ambitions. O oh, infinite alchemist, spiritualize our weaknesses into strength and our wrong thoughts into right thoughts. Grow thou a flower of divine understanding from every seed of activity. With the magic wand of foresight given by thee, teach us to transmute the ugly imps of selfish ambition into fairies of all-serving, noble aspirations. Train, Lord, each stallion of desire to become a champion racing for thine abode. Transform our base ignorance into the gold of wisdom, that it become a liquid stream of spiritual gold, rushing steadily to thy shore. Beautiful imagery and language, and of course, wisdom behind it. So karma, what an interesting subject. Now, many of you have a pretty clear understanding of the law of karma, but for those who it, it may be a newer concept, let me at least briefly uh, describe what it is. So Yogananda said that all of life is for our entertainment and education. Then he said how few are either entertained or educated. <laughs> so how do we get educated? The law of karma. It's our teacher. So think of the difficulty of Divine Mother. She's got, on this planet alone, more than eight billion people. And she's got to devise a lesson plan for every one of them every day and every hour. That's a lot of work. 
And this little mud ball is just one of billions and billions and billions of places. In fact, there's life everywhere, Master said. Even in the middle of a star, in the middle of the sun, there's conscious life. And so all of the world is, all of the universe is consciousness. Well, how do you devise a lesson plan that's individualized for every individual? The law of karma. You let them teach themselves. So whatever we do, every thought, every emotion, every reaction, every action, everything that, that has any consciousness to it sends out a pulse that goes out like a, like a sound wave. Now, Master said that even thoughts are like electricity. They have, uh, they have power to them. And so a thought, and then especially action and repetitive thoughts and repetitive actions, they send out pulses of electricity. Let's think of them now for like sound waves. So that sound wave goes back and the echo is going to return to us. Exactly the sound wave that we sent back, the echo will return. But due to the cross, uh, the thwarting cross currents of ego, it won't be so easy as we heard in these examples to understand the lessons that come back to us. And in fact, Divine Mother is enjoying this drama and so she delays the whole aspect of us learning. Yogananda said that we tend to incarnate on different planets because otherwise we'd catch on too quickly. Seems a little unfair to me, doesn't it, <laughs> to you? But anyway, that's the way it is. So the, the karmic uh, echoes are constantly coming back. Think of each each thing that we do is we, we have an IOU to the universe, and that IOU is going to return to us. And so in many cases, especially for those who are living relatively noble life like, like those sitting here, um, the, the, the energy that we put out is largely benevolent, largely good. And so we're going to get back largely nice things happening to us, good things happening to us. But if we don't put out good energy or haven't in the past, then we'll get back a lesson plan that will help us learn. And that lesson plan, as I say, will come back a little bit obscure. So just as an example, let's say, Master said, by the way, that our karmic patterns especially as we have them each day, is a combination of tendencies from past lives, plus the way that we have led this life in particular. And so those two added together will bring to us our daily, hourly lesson plan. So coming back to uh, law of karma, let's say that in past lives, you had a tendency to lie and to cheat. And in this lifetime, you had that same tendency so that when you were young, you were a used car salesman who tended to exaggerate the qualities of the cars 
that you were selling. But then you, now you've reformed and you've given up that kind of behavior and now you're going along leading your life. And so how is that karma going to come back? Well, somehow the karma of distorting the truth in order to, for, to gain money and it's going to come back to you. And so one day the phone is going to ring and maybe the phone rings for a lot of people, but they don't have that same karma. But the phone will ring and you'll pick it up and you'll hear a message that your car warranty is about to expire <laughs> and you need to call a number and give them your credit card and banking information. <laughs> well, if you don't have the karma of that kind of behavior, you just say, oh, what nonsense. But if you do, you say, now, I don't want my car warranty to expire. I better, I better jump on this and call them up. And sure enough, you'll get swindled. Well, see, karma, but now with Trilanga Swami, you were able to put two and two together. But can you put that together? Gradually over time, enough things happen that you begin to see that you need to change certain behaviors. Now, the clarity to be able to see that actually takes quite a long time coming. So how do we begin to get clarity on what are our lessons? Well, first of all, look at those repetitive things that keep happening to you. Because the chronic things that, that recur again and again, those difficulties, mean that the universe is trying to get your attention and trying to teach you something. And so when those repetitive things come, now the first tendency of those who um, tend to be more obscure, less uh, educatable, is that they reject the lesson plan. They say, that's unfair, that doesn't belong to me. So that's why coupled with gratitude, as we heard, we should be grateful for everything that comes to us because that gratitude or acceptance is the first step in learning and changing that behavior. And so with, with uh, affirmations, I wrote an affirmation on gratitude many years ago because most of us don't like the things that seem unpleasant. And so uh, uh, attitudes can be helped by having affirmations. And so I wrote this affirmation, I am grateful for my life exactly as it is. I am thankful for this day I welcome every hour. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. So if you find yourself with a tendency to push back and reject and be upset because things happen to you that you don't like, then the first step is that you have to accept them. Either you accept them by some wisdom coming, you accept them because you're affirming that you should accept them, somehow you have to accept that this lesson plan is in fact not only yours, 
but you were the, the person who wrote this lesson plan for yourself, from your higher self. So that lesson plan comes, your karma comes. Now, what's the next step? If, if you accept it, if you say, okay, I've got to work on this, then it's like you've opened the, the door to the next step. If you don't, if you don't accept it and you don't want to work on it, it will just keep coming again and that same echo will come again and again and again and again with increasing force until finally you're forced to deal with it. But you won't like it and you may not learn much from it. So we who are trying to expand our consciousness, our whole life is dedicated, one might say, to trying to learn how to deal with life better and especially how to um, move toward God. So how do we deal with, um, how do we begin to change? Well, as I say, first, we've got some wonderful tools. We've got gratitude, we've got affirmation, we have attitudes. Yogananda said that, for instance, success, if you don't have success, whether you're successful in this life or not, is going to be dependent on your thinking in the past life and your success thoughts in this life. So if you find yourself always not able to do something or failing, you have to work on producing success thoughts. We heard a beautiful story. We had a, we had a wonderful trip. Those of you who are here tomorrow night, please come. We'll talk about it. Not only we, but Nitai and Jai will help too. They were in India too. But even on the trip over, God was there doing our lesson plan for us. So when we were flying over to Italy, we, had, uh, uh, we flew into Frankfurt and then we had to change planes and fly from Frankfurt down to, um, to, to Rome. And so while we were waiting during that changeover period, this man came, uh, we were in a lounge, and this man came and said, I, I've just been noticing you have beautiful smiles. I just want to find out who you are. And so we began talking. He was a wonderful man. Turned out he's American, but he lives in France, and he's a basketball coach at, at uh, a, a basketball academy in France. Wonderful fellow. Told us this beautiful story. Um, this is to illustrate success thoughts and how how with the mind power, we can change the things that happen to us. He said that he teaches all the way from the best professionals, all the way down to any school kids who want to come. And so one time, summer, he had a whole group of children who were autistic, and he was helping them to gain confidence by by playing basketball and, and teaching them. And it was a big success, had gone on for a few weeks. And in this arena where he taught, there were some red velvet chairs that were VIP section. And the owner said, don't let anybody sit in those. We have to keep those really pristine. But this was the very last day 
of this multi-week program with these kids. And he said, okay, now any of you who can make a free throw, you're a VIP and you get to go and sit in one of these chairs. And so they came up one by one and didn't, they didn't make it the first shot, but all of them were making the free throws. And then he thought, oh, I have made a really terrible mistake because there was one girl who was um, quite uh, autistic and she had never made a basket of any kind in the whole camp. And he thought, everybody else is gonna make a basket. And this one young girl is going to fail and she's gonna feel even worse about herself. So everybody else made, they were over sitting in the VIP section and this girl comes up and she shoots and misses and shoots again and misses. And, and so this, this fellow, Pierre was his name. He said, no, no, give me the basketball. He said, just stand here on the free throw line, close your eyes and imagine yourself making a basket. And she was there and he said, okay, did you make it? She said, no. And he said, try again. No, try again. I made it. He gave her the basketball. She shot it and it went in. Now see, the lesson here is that our karma, our actions, our behavior is going to follow the thoughts that we have. And so if we want to change our karma, don't Change, don't think that we can change it by changing the circumstances. Most people want to fix bad karma by changing the people who happen to be in the scene during the time the bad karma arrives. The boss is a terrible guy, so let's, let's strike against the boss or whatever, you get the idea. That's the, the way to change our karma is to change that consciousness within us that is producing those echoes. And so if in this case, the karma is such that we have thoughts that we can't do something, we have to work on success consciousness. And if we can convince ourselves that we can do something, then indeed the energy gets released and we will do that. For us, we have to convince ourselves that we can find God. Because if we think that, no, I can't find God, every time we try that shot, it's gonna fail. So we have to work on our attitudes, we have to work on our energy because the energy that goes out, remember, is what we're going to get back. And so gradually, we have to uh, change our thoughts. So we have, we've got affirmation, we've got good company, we've got uh, visualizations as was here, but we've got one more thing that is more powerful than anything, and that's the guru. See, God has come to us manifested in the form of the guru to help us with these lessons. So. When you think back to Trilanga Swami, he was acting as the guru for both of those people to learn their lessons. 
Admittedly, they were not very good disciples. But nonetheless, it was his magnetism that was helping them. So by us, if we want to be, if we want to be in tune with proper behavior in the world, then what better way to do that than trying to be in tune with somebody who is a perfect model of proper behavior? And if we attune our consciousness to that of the guru, then the guru can come and he can help us. If we don't, he'll just, he'll, he'll wait. Or, or, I mean, out of the whole ridge here, 6,000 people, there are only a 150, 200 who are trying to open themselves to Yogananda and the grace of Yogananda. For the rest, Yogananda just lets them go about their business. But for us, we're trying to attune ourselves. And so he will truly help us in that task. Dr. Peter had a beautiful dream that illustrates this. One time in the dream, he was walking along uh, a beach and there was a huge tarry black mound. And he realized that that was his karma and he had to get rid of it. And he had a little plastic pail and a little plastic shovel that you have as kids playing on the beach. And so he went and he took him a long time with this plastic shovel to break off even a tiny little chunk of this. And he got it in the bucket and gradually got some. And he had to go and dump it and get rid of this mound of karma. Went back and he heard this kind of noise from the backside. And he wondered, what is that? And he went around to the back and there was Yogananda with this huge smile on his face and he was on a skip loader and he was just taking huge chunks of that karma out, out of the back end, the back side of the pile. And so Yogananda is free from karma because karma, he isn't free from action. And he isn't free from the sending out of the energy, but the karma returns and it has to affect the ego that sent it out. Because Yogananda doesn't have any ego, that karma is still coming back being a master. Naturally, all of the karma that comes back is good karma. That kind of flows around him to the disciples who are trying to be in tune. So, so the grace of his life is available and he's freely offering it to us to help us overcome our delusion. That's his job. He manifested to help us um, with this education and entertainment business that we're involved in. And so he's helping us um, to, to understand what the next steps for each of us are. That, so that we've got all of these tools, but the biggest tool of all is the power of meditation because we're constantly sending out energy and that energy is like seeds that are going to grow. But in meditation, as we did with the fire ceremony, 
we take the seeds of rice and we burn them in the fire and they can't produce more karma. In meditation, we withdraw the life force and we send the life force up to the spiritual eye. The movement, especially with Kriya, of that life force because the tendencies, the seeds reside in the subtle spine. Every breath of Kriya, every meditation, every good thought sends up a movement of life force in a positive direction and it loosens and takes some of those seeds or those tendencies and it brings them up into the spiritual eye where they're, where they're burned up and, and, and they don't come back to bother us. So you have a few decades on the spiritual path with daily meditations and daily Kriya and by the time a lifetime ends, there are many people sitting in this room who've probably done two, three million Kriya breaths, something like that. Well, each one of those has released some, some seeds of karma and burnt them up. And so the result is that you don't necessarily notice that, oh, I don't have any karma anymore. It doesn't work that way, but because you're free from the freer from those thwarting cross currents, the inward guidance of God and Guru are able to direct your life more completely. Open your heart to me and I will enter and take charge of your life. Every thing that we do that actually manifests that, God and Guru come in and they take charge of our life. And then it isn't like it's clear and obvious. It just is in the background. Then when the phone rings and it's the car warranty, the inward guidance says, don't get involved with that, hang up. And we do. And so over and over and over again, that same paradigm, the more we get in tune with the guru, the more we act in harmony and in accordance with the laws of the universe, the more we do that, the freer we become and we eventually even out all of our karma. But more importantly, over time, we disconnect from the egoic pole that all of that karma is tied to. And when that happens, then we too will be able to help others overcome their karma. But it's a beautiful adventure. God bless you. If you're seeking freedom in a revolution, or if you're seeking freedom, you won't find it there. For once the guns stop blazing, you'll find it amazing how the world can drag on just as before. Seeking freedom, you won't find it there. For even when it's sunny, you'll be.
be counting money, keeping up that showcase, your face lined with care. And if you're seeking freedom on a throne of power, oh, if you're seeking freedom, you won't find it there. For though men all obey you, what if they betray you? Tents will be and waiting for foes everywhere. But if you're seeking freedom, cast away desires. By barter like a beggar, you've wealth everywhere. For never can you buy it, grasp and you deny it. Freedom can't be hoarded, it's free as the air. And if you're seeking freedom, seek it on the mountains. Got sunlight on your shoulders, the wind in your hair. For there's no one can hold you, boss about or mold you. Once your heart is free, you'll be king everywhere. No one can hold you, boss about or mold you. Once your heart is free, you'll be king everywhere.